Thank you for listening to episode 79 of 60 Minutes with. I'm Dave, and this is another one of our soundcheck shows. Now, this weekend, originally, I was going to release an interview show. Myself and Tina were booked in to chat with Frogstone uh, from the great BBC4 comedy Bucket. And if you haven't seen Bucket, please go and watch it. Unfortunately, it's no longer on BBC iPlayer. The time that it could be shown on there has now run out. But we're in 2017, you know what I mean? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Uh, There is the internet. There is ways and means that you can watch it. And it is well worth searching out for and watching it, uh, no matter where you are in the world. So please go and search for the BBC4 Comedy Bucket. We have rearranged with Frog. We're going to chat with her next week. So that will be the next show that will be released after this one. But I thought, well, rather than release nothing this this weekend, I'm sat here. Um, It's the beauty of these soundcheck shows as well, you know, that we we, we can fire them out. We're professionals, goddammit. <laughs> we can fire them out. Uh, like I did say, if you listen to the last uh, soundcheck show that I did, which was about No Sweat, which got some great feedback. Thank you to everybody that, that fed back on that. Uh, and I'll just elaborate a little bit on that at the end of this episode. Uh, I got that out of the way. It, there was the close ties to the uh, one of the first ones that I did, which was the Shadow King show. And these were two albums, two damn good rock albums. Uh, that I just wanted to talk about because they were really good rock albums, but not many people knew about them. But unlike the shows that Steve uh, and Chris and Tina have done, there was no real deep stories, no deep, real emotional attachment to them, uh, which Chris and Tina and, and Steve have talked about in their shows. So this really, this one is the first one where I'm going to talk about an album that is really close to me, that is really really close to my heart uh it's probably in the top two that's close to my heart and i'm sure at some stage i'll talk about the other one as well but i'll keep that a secret for now (laughs) i've got to admit when i was making the notes for this this afternoon uh, because i knew then obviously that the interview show with frog had been put back and i wanted to get a show out there and i was going to talk about this album i was making the notes and i will admit I I got a little something in my eye. I had to wipe it away. Damn this dusty room. (laughs) I'll have to tell Tina, get get that feather duster out, Tina, (laughs) because there's dust getting in my eye. I have to to wipe a few tears away. Um, The reason for that is I can't talk about this album, which I'm sure you know what it is by now. You've looked at the, uh, you know, the show notes and everything. Um, I can't talk about it without talking about my dad. And much like... Tina has mentioned her dad. Um, my relationship with my dad was like really, really close. Uh, he he died three weeks before my thirtieth birthday. Uh, he was fifty three, which I'm going to be next year. So the closer I get to that age, the more mortality sort of smacks you around the face. Now, I knew at that age, uh, you know, I was 29, 
close to 30. I knew 53 wasn't an age that anybody should die. It's not old, you know what I mean? It's it's not old. But it's only really when you get into your 40s and then into your 50s. I mean, to start with, you think, when the fuck did that happen? <laughs> when did I suddenly become in my 50s? But you realise that, like, mentally, you're still, you're 18. So it hits even harder now, like, thinking of my dad, to be 53, to be rushed into hospital, to be taken from a ward into intensive care, and in three weeks, three and a half weeks, I think it was, that's it, you're gone. To be in that position now, I, you know, I think of it and think, he thought like I did. He was, st he was still 18. It was horrible. You know what I mean? It's like, it really is horrible. And for anybody that's, that's younger, which I'm guessing is a hell of a lot of you, <laughs> is, is listening to this. Uh, and, and you look at older people, it's, it really is just an age uh, mentally. You, you don't age mentally and you, and you never should do. I mean, a good example of that is my dad. He's so responsible oh, for so many things to do with me. Um, he's he's responsible for my sense of humour. Uh, I remember him saying, the day you stop finding farts funny is the day that you lose a piece of your childhood forever. <laughs> it's, he, would, he would pass wind through his bottom. Uh, and one of my favourite sayings that he said whenever he did that... Uh, and he would say it in a clipped British RAF voice. Uh, and he was in the RAF in the 60s as well. Um, so he would fart and then go, speak up, Brown, you're through. <laughs> which, which for some reason, it always cracked me up. It always cracked me up. He would sit there with me. Uh, he'd play albums from The Goon Show. Blaster Bates, Monty Python we'd watch stuff like we'd watch Monty Python and Spike Milligan when the Q series started I remember vividly when I missed the advert on the television when the young one started and he told me about it and he said I've just seen this advert for this show we've got to watch it together and we sat and watched the young ones every episode uh, so yeah he's um he's responsible for my sense of humor which like I said um you find farts funny. It's it's very immature humour. It's very base humour. <laughs> uh, Billy Connolly, all that kind of stuff. He's responsible for my love of the NFL. We discovered that together. We always watched it together. And really importantly, um, he's responsible for my love of cinema. Him and my mum took me to see Bedknobs and Broomsticks back in 1971. I was six years old. But it was when I was age 10, it was just me and my dad. He took me to the cinema to watch Jaws. And I can remember now, nearly 42 years ago, going to the cinema. It was it was a one-screen cinema back then in Northwich before they, before they went to the heady heights of two screens. Can you imagine that now, when two screens seemed a lot at a cinema? <laughs> I remember getting there and, and the queue, um, or if you're in America, the lineup, to see the movie 
it was around the it was right around I was going to say the block then but that, that's probably getting too American it was right around the cinema and we just we just managed to get in uh, I remember I'm, I'm age 10 and he's taking me to see Jaws <laughs> I'm sure everybody listening to this knows Jaws uh, maybe a little too young I would argue not because I bloody loved it we sat there and we were two rows from the front. The cinema had almost filled up. And the scene where the head drops, I just jumped out of my seat. And I was so excited. I was so scared. I was so thrilled. It was it was an epiphany. It was one of those moments when, wow, this, this is what I love. This is, this is what I love to do. If you know, if I could make a living doing something to do with movies, it would. This would be amazing. And I, I said to him, "Can we come and see it again?" And he took me back the very next night <laughs> to go and we watched it two nights running. Uh, he brought me up on a diet of Clint Eastwood, and everybody that knows me knows I'm a huge Sylvester Stallone fan. Now Sly is somebody who I discovered for myself when I was age thirteen at a film club, a school film club, when I first saw Rocky, when that was shown there. But even before that point, with television, and again, this is before the point of video, whenever a Clint Eastwood film came on, that was it, we'd sit in, we'd sit in front of the, the television and watch. He, he would sit me in front of all sorts of films, and he would dis, he would discuss them with me. This is the thing, at an early age, I was watching, you know, like Hammer House of Horror and all of these. And there's people out there that argue, well, you're too young to watch these and that. No, you're not. As if you've got a responsible parent that will explain the difference between real life uh, and fiction to you, it's fine. In my view, it's fine. So he really instilled that love of cinema in me. And this went through to the video age. VHS appeared. Well, before that, actually, he had, I think it was called, I should have made a note of this. Was it called the Philips 2000? Before um, VHS and Betamax, they would, the tapes were like a brick and they were expensive. <laughs> but he was uh, he was a proper tech head like I am. That's something else I've inherited from him is my love of technology. Um, so we had one of those first and then we, we had a VHS player. So in the early days of VHS and video rental here in the UK... There weren't many stores at all. There were no, there were no big, there was no like Blockbuster or anything like that. It was all small independent ones. Mom and pop stores, as you probably say in America. The closest one to us was a 40 mile round trip away. And you would go there, we, he would drive me there and we'd both go on a little road trip together and we'd hire out these videos. And you kept them for a week and I can't remember the price. It wasn't cheap. And we'd get a few videos and we'd keep them for a week and we'd watch them so many times because it was so new, you know? I mean, it's kind of difficult for people now to relate to this when you can click a button on your phone and watch anything you want. It was a different time. And we're not talking that many years ago, really. Um, the film that I've watched the most is Dawn of the Dead, 1978 version, and I have seen it over a hundred times. But in the films I've seen 50 plus times, easily 50 plus, 
is Dirty Harry, Jaws, and The Warriors. Now, I remember sitting there with my dad watching The Warriors and was blown away by everything about it. Um, really instilled a love of Walter Hill for me as a director. Uh, so, of course, when Walter Hill was announced as the director for the Sylvester Stallone film Bullet to the Head, it was like, oh, this is just perfect for me. Uh, wasn't a perfect film, I've got to admit. It's, it's not one of the best of either of them, but I do enjoy it. Uh, and just got me buy-in Bullet Bourbon as well, which, which is always good. So we used to sit and watch this, and for those of you that are familiar with the movie... You'll know the soundtrack. The soundtrack is integral to the to the actual movie. It it's it really does enhance a lot of the scenes to it. And my dad bought the cassette of the soundtrack and would play it in the car. It was <laughs> it was sort of like one of those summers where all that seemed to be played in my dad's car was the Warriors. Uh and we do like, you know, he'd do mixtapes. He brought me up listening to uh, Glenn Campbell, The Carpenters, Ennio Morricone. Uh, he loved Kiss. When I got into Kiss in 79, his favourite Kiss song is, well, is, sorry, was. Uh, Shandy. He would always put Shandy on his mixtapes. Uh, I remember one time him coming home and he, bought, he, he came home and said, oh, I've got your present. And it was the Gene Simmons solo album. So, you know, he he was always, uh, he always took notice of what I did uh, and supported what I did uh, and was very influential in, in what I did and what I do now. So I've talked for over 10 minutes now and we haven't even touched on the album, but like I said, it's I couldn't talk about this without talking about my dad and giving um, the backstory to him uh, and the relationship that we had. And I've done very well. I've not had to pause yet, which by now, when I was making the notes, I had to pause a few times. So let's t let's talk about the actual soundtrack. It's ten tracks. It's very short. Uh, it's only thirty-seven minutes long. It was released on March the sixteenth, nineteen seventy-nine. Um, it begins theme from the Warriors, an instrumental piece, which I love. And again, at risk of repeating myself in the last few monologue shows that I've done, I love every bloody track on it. There's not, there's not one bad one in it. I'm sure I will at some point talk about an album that means something to me or that I really like, and there, there are some dodgy tracks. But sorry, folks, this is one where, I, I, once again, I love every single one of it. So this theme from the Warriors, it sets everything up. Uh, it, and it, this is one I was tempted to play, but I thought I'm going to stick to two traditional songs for you to listen to. Uh, the first one I'm going to play is track two, actually, Nowhere to Run. It's, it's 1950s rock and roll. It's honky-tonk piano. There's an amazing brass section in it. It's a feel-good song. And I defy you to try and keep your feet still when you listen to this. It is so good. And it says everything. Uh, for people that are maybe not familiar with the movie, please go and watch it. It is absolutely fantastic. But it's based around a gang called the Warriors who are 
wrongly accused of a killing and have to escape and, and make their way back to their home turf of Coney Island. So Nowhere to Run is... It's about them that they're being chased by all these other gangs. And is there any hope? Can they make it? The odds are against them. But, you know, it's it's another positive album where no matter what the odds are against you, you can always do it. So have a listen. And like I say, the challenge here is can you keep your feet still? Can you stop from tapping your foot? Can you stop from moving a little in your seat if you sat down listening to this? So here we go. Here's Nowhere to Run. wasn't that good. <laughs> Please say you agree with me. Track three, In Havana. 
reggae song. Now, I'm not a big fan of reggae at all, really, but with exceptions. And this is definitely one of them. Uh, it does have, and in the notes that I've written, it does have what's, what sounds to me like a very high-pitched Rolf Harris wobble board. Now, maybe in this day and age, I shouldn't mention anything to do with Rolf Harris, especially him shaking his wobble board. <laughs> but that's what it sounds like to me. And it is, it's, it's, it's a good song. It's, it is a good song. Um, despite it being reggae, I don't, I think I'm pretty safe in saying that at no point within these monologue soundcheck shows, will I ever pick a reggae album? Uh, no UB40 or anything like that. I'm afraid, even though they are playing close to us pretty soon. Track four echoes in my mind, the longest track on the album at over six minutes long. It is, it's, it's bass-tastic is the way I, uh, I could explain it. The intro to it, the bass on it is, um, it's funky. It's, it's full on funky. Uh, actually I'm gonna have to play you just the, just the intro to the song so you can revel in the funkiness of its bass. one of those it's one of those bass lines where you remember like in the late 70s and early 80s where bass players for some strange reason uh, they didn't use a plectrum they fingered their bass and they had the bass like really high up almost on the shoulders and they were doing that <laughs> it just reminds me of the bass player playing it like that it's a really laid back track if i do have any criticism of it it's, it is at six minutes. It's a little bit too long. Uh, but again, it's not one that I dislike. I, you know, the, the six minutes doesn't drag. It doesn't get to, you know, about four minutes long. And I'm going, oh my God, there's still another two minutes to go. Track five, The Fight. Uh, another instrumental song. Again, people that are familiar with the movie, it's The Fight in the Park with the Baseball Furies. Uh, it does help a little bit listening to this album if you have watched the movie but again having said that you don't have to you can listen to this and still think that's a really good piece of music I mean then this bit the fight it's only one minute and 20 seconds track six in the city epic epic song uh a little bit I don't know, it reminds me a little bit of Jim, Jim Steinman, uh, AOR-influenced, Journey possibly, Foreigner, something like that. Really strong song. And again, another contender for one that was going to play. Track seven, Love is a Fire. This in the movie is one of my favourite scenes where the warriors go into... They meet an all-girl gang called the Lizzies, 
uh, a very disco influence song. This one is uh, not surprising, really, when you think of of one of the writers of it was Vinnie Poncia, who produced two Kiss albums. Here we go once again. You're never going to get away with with you know me doing a show and no Kiss reference. Uh, he produced Dynasty and Amassed. And there is a feel of both of those albums there. Uh, and this is the year, obviously, 79 when he produced Dynasty and then Unmasked was 80. So that that disco power pop sound to it, which I really enjoy, is all over this song. And again, was a contender. <laughs> there was so I, I should stop saying that because really everyone was a contender for which one do I bloody play? Track eight. Uh, Baseball Furious Chase. It's almost a reprise of the original theme, another instrumental. Really good uh, kinetic energy to it. It's it's one of those that, again, if you're familiar with the film, you're sort of white knuckles and think, oh my God, they're being chased, what's going to happen? But as a standalone piece of music, is re- is really, really good. Track nine, You're Moving Too Slow. Wow. Rhythm and blues piano, harmonica thrown in there. It's it's one of those where it's got that smoky smoky dive bar atmosphere where you sat with a whiskey. You sat with a whiskey and a cigar. Even though I've never smoked in my life, I'd probably go, yeah, and give me a cigar as well while this is playing. It's one of those down and dirty tunes that is so, so good. Uh but really short and it's running time it's under three minutes as well but what it does in that two minutes and 54 seconds is is damn good and then to close off the album and this is the one that i'll be also closing off the show with as well is last of an ancient breed uh written by and yes folks here's another kiss connection desmond child who wrote a lot of uh, Kiss songs during the late 70s and especially during the 1980s as well. Uh, and it's performed by him as well. And it's a song, it's another one of those positive songs, believing in yourself, chase your dreams, don't let anyone stand in your way. And just going back to my dad again, this was what he always sort of instilled in me to ignore the naysayers which nowadays people i mean it makes me it makes me sad for my kids really because they get more naysaying this generation now than anybody with social media and people trying to cock block what they do trying to put negative thoughts into their heads saying why are you doing that <laughs> do this and this song is about just like i said believing in yourself and I even now at my age you know at almost 52 I've got a lot of changes going on of where I've had to believe in myself and chase my dreams still and you know luckily for me you know I've, I've got Tina at my side who always backs me up on everything that I do and supports me but this was instilled like with my dad to do that you know and uh, ignore it, it, ignore people it's it's one of those things with um, 
those who know the least shout the loudest. <laughs> so ignore them. Just do what you want to do. And it's such it's such a good song. And I was looking I was looking through the lyrics of it today, uh, and it was there was a few things that really that I wasn't that aware of, and that triggered um, <laughs> that triggered a little bit of dust going in my eyes. Uh, might have to take a break now. Wow, isn't it? Isn't it amazing how like music can sort of really trigger deep memories and and sort of bring them to life? Stuff, stuff that you've not forgotten that's there, but like really bring them to the fore again. So I've now composed myself a little bit. <laughs> uh, it is. It, it's a really good song, and like I said, this is the one that'll, that'll play out the show. Uh, I think it's quite fitting as well. Even from just basic things like the title, "Last of an Ancient Breed," because you know I think of my dad like that. It's, yeah, it was always his favourite song uh, of the soundtrack. Uh, luckily, uh, it being the last one on side two of the cassette, we would very often, you know, he would press rewind and then play it again, and press rewind and play it again. Uh, probably a little bit more difficult if it was in the middle of a side of the cassette, so that did help him a little bit. So there we are. That's um, that's the Warriors soundtrack, and like I said, it's uh, as you as you might have guessed, it's very very close to my heart. Uh, go and watch the movie if you've not watched it. Go and buy the album if you haven't listened to it. Like we do with all of these shows, please support you know the music that we talk about and go and buy it. Uh, I've got to mention uh, on Twitter at Postman Gav, who sent us some he sent us some great tweets after the No Sweat show. Uh, I'm not going to read them out verbatim, but he sent some some really good ones, which basically boiled down to him buying the CD. He's he's gone out and bought the CD and he loves it which I think is an understatement from what he was saying. So thanks, Gav. Thanks for listening. Uh, and I'm, I'm really pleased that the No Sweat show turned you on to a band that you'd not heard of. And he did say as well that he's going to play it to his mates. He knows a load of mates that are definitely going to buy it and um, enjoy it too. So that's really good. That's really good. That's, again, another thing that I do love about these shows. So I guess uh, to finish off, we just got to round it up with the housekeeping. What you want to do if you want to find what we do. Uh, bookmark the website, 60minuteswith.co.uk, facebook.com slash 60minuteswith. You can email us, which is contact at 60minuteswith.co.uk. And on the website, there is, of course, the contact us form. Um, Twitter and Instagram at 60minuteswith. I have put a few more weird and wonderful photographs on our Instagram account should you wish to have a look at them we've got a really good uh competition coming up on our twitter account once again from fabulous films uh, we've got some blu-rays to give away of their upcoming release of the flintstones and we've got some more competitions coming up too and like i said on an earlier show we're going to keep all of the competitions 
on our Twitter account. So please make sure if you listen to us and you want to win something for free, um, give us a follow to make sure that you you know you don't miss out and you could you could win something. It's not just films. We're going to be giving away quite a few other things that I'm going to keep secret for now. So you're going to have to follow us and find out. So to finish off, uh, I said what the song's going to be. Uh, yeah, I think to finish, if I did make a note of you should never have regrets about anything and staying positive in this album's look like got loads of positive songs. The one regret I do have is my dad never got to see his two grandkids. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure whatever happens to you, no matter what your beliefs, uh, whenever you depart this big blue marble that we're on, uh, he does his little bit to keep them laughing whenever they fart. <laughs> so here we go. This one's for you, Dad.
Be looking good, warriors. All the way back to Coney. 